By the end of this video, I promise you, you are going to understand the tabernacle completely and wholly and uh, see all the pictures and the types and, and what the tabernacle was meant for, the main purpose of it according to scripture. So I promise you at the end of this, you are going to say, I understand it. It's understood. The tabernacle is understood. Hey, if you live in Israel, by the way, or if you're Jewish and you know all about the tabernacle or what are your thoughts on it? Maybe you don't know much about it, but I'd love to hear your comments, especially down below. And anybody can comment down below. Just, just feel free to comment uh, what you think. Uh, I'd like to know who your Messiah is, who you guys are expecting uh, from your perspective. Um, I'd like to hear all these things, questions, anything you have, feel free, please comment down below and don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the like button because that helps get this out there. And plus you'll be, you'll be alerted for all of the new videos that come out. So hit that little bell too, because that'll alert you when the new videos come out. And we're going to go through all of these old Testament scriptures, the Tanuk, your Bible. If you're in Israel, we're going to go through all of it. Uh, if you're an American, it would be the old Testament typically. And that's what we're doing. We're going through on how to find the Messiah in all of the scriptures. That's what this channel is about. Hi, my name is George Crabb. If you don't know, and I've authored three books on the old Testament, how to find Jesus, the Messiah and all of the scriptures. And, um, Again, if you're in Israel, feel free to comment down below. We want, I want to know what you guys think, what your thoughts are on all of this. And here we go. We're going to get in the tabernacle right now. All right. So how to understand the tabernacle. This is going to be great. You guys, I'm so excited about this. So this would be like a mountain view. If you're up on a mountain and you're looking down on the camp. So this would be after the Exodus, after they left Egypt, they were freed from their slavery in Egypt, right? And uh, God gave Moses specific instructions. He was on the mountain for 40 days up there in the mountain with God. And God basically gives him blueprints for this, this tabernacle. And what is the tabernacle? The tabernacle is basically it is a portable worship center. And the main purpose of it is, is that it's a place where God wants to come and dwell with his people. That's what Exodus chapter 25 says. And you can go to Exodus 25 through 40, and it's all very detailed over and over and over. Very precise, very accurate, very detailed blueprints on what God wanted at, at, for this meeting place. It was a place where God can... Uh, dwell among the people. And that word dwell in the Greek is actually tabernacle. We're going to go over that later. But that's what this was. It was a portable worship center. They could pack it all up. This was like a linen cloth fence. Um, there's the the post for the wood. There's, this was a tent. And there was uh, certain items that were heavy, but they had, you know, roughly the scholars say right around 3 million people in the camp of Israel. And the tribe of Levi was, was very big. And they were able to handle all this. They had oxen, horse, you know, donkeys, all these things that can haul all these materials. So, so that's what we see here with this. This is like a, a bird's eye view of what it looked like and what was going on. So let's go back to that slide real quick. So here's the entrance. So basically imagine it this way. You're Jewish. Uh, the tabernacle has been going on for a while. And you want to go and make sure that your sins and your family's sins are covered. 
so that you can have fellowship with God, so that you could, your sins could be washed clean and you didn't have to worry about your sins anymore. So what you had to do is get a lamb, like one of these lambs here, without blemish. It had to be a perfect lamb. And then right here was the east gate, and you met one of the priests there, and he would examine and scrutinize and inspect the lamb that was with you. Not you, not you, the worshiper, just the lamb. He would look at it very carefully. And when he found that it was a lamb without blemish, an approved lamb, and when it was approved, he would take it in. And then joy would fill your heart because you know you could freely worship God, that your sins were covered. And that was the idea of that. And, um, and then later on the temple, you could you could actually enter his gates, as Psalm 100 says that David wrote, I, shall in, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, thanking God that my sins are forgiven because the lamb was approved, right? And then I will enter his courts. That's this outer area, the courts, with praise, Psalm 100 says. And this is so good. So this is the outer court. And then this is the actual tent of the meeting place inside the tabernacle. That's what this whole thing is. All right. So then the first thing that would happen is the altar. So the lamb would be, um, it would be killed. The blood would be collected in some of these gold vessels for inside of the tabernacle in the holy place in the holy of holies. And then the animal would be sacrificed. It would be like a big barbecue on this bronze or brass altar, which had a grate on top of it. And it was basically, it was a big barbecue. And it was to sacrifice these animals to God. And all of this is symbolic of something very great, which shows us the Messiah. So the blood was collected, the precious blood of the lamb was collected in these gold vessels. And then they would take these tongs. They actually had these, these tongs and they would bring out a coal that was in the bottom of this this pit this uh altar this bronze altar and that coal would go in a container and go into the uh the tabernacle meeting the tent of the meeting place the holy place into the incense the altar of incense and that's where that coal came from so that coal actually had some of that precious blood of the lamb sprinkled upon it as well very interesting, right? So that's the first step. The lamb comes in. The first step is this, this altar, and the altar is where the, the sins were confessed. The priest would lay his hand upon the head of the lamb and then place all of the sins of that family or of, the, of Israel on that lamb, and then they would kill it. So there's a sacrifice there, and God was showing us something even much greater. This is all a foreshadowing of something that God was showing because it's kind of like, you know, kids love picture books. My kids always love picture books, don't they? They just love them. And God knows our father, father, God knows that us children, his children, we love pictures too. That's how we learn the best. And that's what he gave us here in these scriptures. These are all pictures. In fact, the old Testament or the Tanuk was all a big picture book. It was in the, the biographies, the stories, um, these festivals, these feasts, the tabernacle itself, all these things were pictures that God gave us like a picture book showing us the end result, the future. And you're going to see that at the very end of this. So the next step in the tabernacle, this is the next step. This is the, uh, the wash basin. 
okay, the, the uh, bronze lever, they call it. So this is where there was fresh water, clean water in here. And then after the priest would uh, sacrifice the lamb or the other animals, there was oxen and goats too, um, he would wash his hands here and his feet and they would wash up. So that's what, what this is here. And that's the second part. There's the labor. Uh, it's made out of bronze or, or brass. And here's a priest washing his hands. And then what's interesting is I'm going to tie the New Testament to this, you guys. So John chapter 15 says, Jesus said, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That's what Jesus said. Already you are clean. So it's the word of God that cleanses us from our unrighteousness, our sin. It helps cleanse us. So I would, I would think that these priests would be meditating on the word of God as they washed here in this, uh, this water. And that's conjecture. I know I, I'm just, this is what I, I think anyway, my opinion on it. All right, so then John 15, we're going to read more about what I just, uh, that scripture that I just said to you. So here it is in verse three, already you are clean, Jesus said, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Then he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So abide in me. Jesus is talking about an abode, a place. It's a dwelling place where you can be with him. You can abide with him, living with him, right? And that's what we see here. So Hebrews 9. Now, the, book, the New Testament book of Hebrews shows us, explains to us all these Levitical things, like what the book of, of uh, Exodus and Leviticus show us, these, these first uh, five books of the Bible. So the, books, the book of Hebrews shows us that these were all foreshadowings or shadows of the real thing. And that's what they were, like, the, like we talked about the picture book, right? So Hebrews 9 says, Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship, and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the, the first section in, in where the lamp stand and the table of the bread of the presence, and it is called the holy place. So now we've, okay, we're in the outer courtyard. We have the east gate. The lamb was approved. We're going to go over this real quick. And then the altar, the, the lamb was sacrificed there, killed. The precious blood was collected. A coal was collected there too. And then the priest would wash his hands in the basin, the bronze basin. And now he's entering into the holy place, which is in that tent itself inside the tabernacle. And that's what that scripture just told us. Now, Let's take a look at the holy place real quick. So <clears throat> this is a map of it. And here's the dimensions. So the outer gate was the outer fence, excuse me, was 75 feet by 150 feet. Imagine that. That's like half of a football field. And then the actual tent you could see in the middle was 15 feet by 45 feet. And it was divided. There's you could see there's a little section in the back, which was called the Holy of Holies. So that first section, that big section of the tent, was called the Holy Place. And that's what we see in that picture. All right, let's go back to the uh, slides here. So inside of this tabernacle, the the posts, 
uh, the the furniture and the vessels, the you know all of the um, utensils, the bowls, all these things were made of pure gold. Now, now the menorah, the the seven golden candlestick, that was pure, one hundred percent pure gold, and the bowls and the cups and all those things were pure gold, but everything else was overlaid with gold. So the inside of this tabernacle was beautiful because. It was bright, right? That that menorah was lit and it was reflecting off of the walls. And then you could see the tapestry of the beautiful woven uh, tapestry with designs in it. And uh, it was just a beautiful, bright place. Now, the thing about gold, the reason I have this periodic table here uh, with the gold here, and and I want you to know this is so, this is so important. Why did God use gold? Okay. You're going to see throughout that, that there's gold. When we get the Holy of Holies, there's a gold ark. It's overlaid, the first part, but the mercy seat is 100%. It's pure gold, right? Why did God do this? Because I believe, okay, first of all, gold never corrodes. It also speaks of wealth, and it never corrodes. So what does that mean? Okay, so everything in the universe, okay, everything in the universe is corroding. Okay. I mean, even a stick, everything is oxidizing and that's a form of actually burning. Everything is corroding. Oxidizing is another word for it. And it's actually a form of burning up except for one element, one element that we find on the periodic table, gold, gold does not oxidize. It's never burns up. It never goes away. And you know, what's interesting to me God says that the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, and the new city of Jerusalem is going to be paved with streets of gold. Like, can you imagine paver stones of gold? I mean, dude, I mean, can you imagine? That's just the street. That's what our feet are on. That's what we're walking on. The rest of it is amazing. There's like solid ruby walls. I mean, it's just going to be beautiful. But the most important thing is the people. God cares about people. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about fellowship with his people. We're his children. When you receive the Messiah into your heart, Christ into your heart, you become a child of God and you can call Hashem, as you say in Israel, the name, you can call the Lord father like jesus did because you are now one of his children just like in israel you guys see your little ones they say abba abba to to you dads right your little ones abba abba you can say that to god your father if you believe in christ and receive him and you'll have a chance to do that at the end of this episode my friend so gold isn't that amazing gold never burns that's why god <laughs> I believe why God used it. And that is conjecture too, but I just, I think it's awesome to, to think about. All right. So there it is again, pure gold. And that's what we see inside of that tabernacle. So here's a, an archway that you can actually see today in Rome. And it's called the archway of Titus. And Titus's brother uh, built this for him as a, a memorial for his brother Titus as a, a present, a gift. And what this is, is this is the, they say it's the parade that they had after 70 AD when they conquered Jerusalem. And they say that this is the actual menorah that was in Herod's temple. 
and, and the design of it. And today the Israelis have used this design to make the new one for the future temple in Israel. And then over here, you could see that there's the table of showbread right here, and they're taking it out. And there's the, the cups and the uh, pitchers. Uh, maybe some bread was on there too, but you could see the Romans were carrying this way away as a conquest, right? Well, these two items were in the holy place, that first part of the tent of the meeting of the tabernacle that we're, we're talking about. And you're going to see that. So here's in Jerusalem, they've designed that same style menorah. You could see that there's a main stem and this was to stay lit all of the time. The high priest's job was to keep this filled with olive oil and to keep it lit. These, these candlesticks, they call them, but it's actually a, like a wick inside of a bowl of olive oil that would stay lit and burn bright inside of that uh, temple or tabernacle, right? So the main stem would be lit. And then off the main stem, you would have three on one side of it. And then three on the other side for a total of seven uh, lampstands here. All right. So John chapter one, we're going to look at this right now because John is so good. I love the book of John, if you haven't noticed by now. So look at this. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Did you know that? He said that. He, my friends, he is. This This is just a an image of God's presence. And I believe Jesus is this main stem, right? He is the main stem. We are the branches because this menorah was designed. Uh, God said to design it in Exodus 25 through 40. He says to design this as a almond tree. Why an almond tree? I always wondered. Well, we know Aaron's rod, that was a dead piece of wood. It budded, right? Didn't it bud? All of uh, buds came out of it and then ripe fully ripened almonds came out too. Remember that? Well, God said to make this menorah off of the design off of an olive tree. Now, this is the one that's designed off of Herod's that we saw from the archway of Titus, but perhaps the one that uh, Solomon designed or the original one could have been different, a little more artistic with some olive blossoms and flowers on it and things like that. And, and it's just amazing. So, so Jesus... Uh, he is the light of the world, he said. He said, I am the light of the world. And he said, you, you followers of him, you are also the light of the world. And we know that the church in Revelation is the seven golden lampstands, right? We see that in chapter one and Jesus being the main stem and we on his side attached, abiding in him. So good. Okay. And then later on, in, uh, John in verse 14 of John chapter one, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. 
All right, look at that scripture now. Now that word dwelt or dwell in the Greek, it is skenoa, skenoa. Excuse me, I pronounced that bad. <laughs> but the Greek word is to fix one's tabernacle, have one's tabernacle, abide or live in a tabernacle or tent. So that's what we see with this word. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Remember Isaiah chapter 7, what does it say? It says that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, dwelling among us. Ah, oh, this is so good, you guys. So the other item in this holy place, um, we, we just looked at the menorah, the seven golden lampstand, which brightens everything up, reflecting off of the gold and reflecting off of the 12 precious stones of the high priest that are on his chest, right? Picture of Jesus as well. His, over his heart are the 12 precious stones of Israel. When that light of that seven golden lampstand was bright, burning bright by the oil, and we know the olive oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. That's in Zechariah chapter 4. We know that the priests, the precious gems, the 12 tribes of Israel, over his heart were bright too. They were magnifying the light. So good, right? So then on the other side, we see... The table of showbread in this holy place, this first part of the tent. And the table of showbread had uh, 12 loaves of unleavened bread. And this bread was for the priests so that they can eat of it. And this bread was there uh, in the presence of God all the time. He wanted that bread to always be there. And then also there was a couple of vessels, uh, a cup and a pitcher, and this had wine in it. So we see bread and we see wine. Remember Melchizedek met with Abraham and they had wine and bread. They broke bread and had wine together, right? And Jesus, in the Last Supper, right before he was crucified, he said, take this and eat of it. This is my body given up for you as he broke it. And then he said, take this and drink of it. It was the, the cup with the wine. And he says, drink of this. This is my blood, symbolizing his blood that was shed for us for the cleansing of the sin, as he is the Lamb of God. And his blood is very precious, my friend. So here we have this. These were solid gold. Uh, this was all... Um, overlaid with gold here. And by the way, all of these furnishings were made out of the acacia wood, the stuff that was overlaid by gold. And the acacia wood was called the thorn tree. Now what happened in the, in the curse at the garden? Remember the thorns came, right? So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So let's look at this scripture. Hebrew 9 and verse 3, it also says, Behind the second curtain was the second section called the most holy place. And having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was the golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Very interesting, right? So, so this is, he's saying that the golden altar of incense is in this holy of holies. This is the second, this is the behind the veil of the temple the, or the tabernacle behind the veil, which had no opening in it. Like someone could just walk through. In fact, 
the priest would go in there once a year, once a year, one time, and he would have to crawl under the veil. That's how he got in. And here we're seeing that this most holy place, it says the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant, like both of these items are in here. I've seen pictures of both, uh, but uh, Exodus 25 tells us it was outside, it was in the holy place. So maybe at one point they might have transferred it, moved it over into that holy of holy places, or the incense would just get through the curtain and would travel, the, the actual smoke of the incense would travel into the holy of holy place. And the Bible tells us that the incense, it's in the Psalms and it's in Revelation. The incense is our prayers, you guys. That's what it means. It symbolizes our prayer. And it's a sweet, a sweet aroma in the Lord's nostrils. He loves our prayers. He, he, he captures our prayers. He, he breathes them in, so to speak, right? He smells them and he likes it. So that coal that came from the altar or the precious blood of the lamb sprinkled on it, on that coal, that coal was taken and it was, that's what the incense was made of that and some other things. And it was a sweet aroma, a picture of our prayers as well. Remember that. All right. So that's what we see there. So here it is on the outside of the Holy of Holies. Here's the veil. And this is the the incense, the altar of incense, which was also made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. And uh, here it looks like he's holding on to a, an urn, which might carry some more incense, which is probably what he carried inside of the Holy of Holies, which is why Hebrews 9 said that. All right. So this is the acacia tree. This is an amazing tree, you guys. This grows out in the driest places on earth. They would have come across these trees as they wandered through the desert wilderness, the children of Israel, the 3 million people following Moses and Aaron and really following the Lord into this desert, dry, dry desert. But they would find these acacia trees. And they're also called the thorn tree, as you can see here, these big thorns that are, that are on these trees. And by the way, I don't know if you guys know what the tola is or the tola shani, but there are tolas on these as well, which is where you get the crimson red dye for the priestly garments, the red sashes, for the belts, uh, the red that's in the veil of the temple, the curtain, and also the red yarn for the scapegoat. So this is where they would collect some of these tolas as well. They're on acacia trees. Oh, that's pretty cool, right? So look at this real quick. Did you know there's a lot of scholars that believe that the thorn crown that was woven together for Jesus when he was crucified by the Romans, they believe it came from this acacia tree or bush because that's the thorniest, that's real big thorns and the thorniest uh, tree in the region. So they believe that they wolfed a woven together a crown of these thorns. Could be, who knows? But I think it's very interesting that all of the furniture, the posts, all of the wood for this tabernacle was made out of acacia wood, which is the thorn tree. Very interesting. But then it's covered in gold <laughs> to make it beautiful, right? So inside of the Ark, okay, the Ark of the Covenant, that's the square box that was made of acacia wood. The base part of it was made of acacia wood, and it was two foot by two foot by three foot long. 
So two foot high, two foot wide, three feet long. And inside of it, it was all overlaid with gold, of course, and carved beautifully by the craftsmen. God had the craftsmen carved this out. But inside of this was the Ten Commandments, the Law of Moses, and the rod of Aaron. Remember that dead staff piece of wood that Aaron was carrying around? Uh, the other leaders of Israel wanted to uh, usurp Aaron and Moses' authority. And God says, give me all your staffs. So Aaron's staff was in this tent of meeting place with Moses. And it was Aaron's staff that budded and blossomed and produced ripe, mature almonds on it. So this was in this was kept inside of the ark. Okay. Also, there was a golden bowl of manna, right? Manna, remember that? The miracle uh, bread from heaven that came down in the camp like frost every morning, and they would collect it. It was like snow. They would collect it and get enough food for each one of them for each day. And um, that manna was collected. And by the way, Jesus says that he said that I am the bread of life. One of his I am statements. I am the bread of life. He is the bread of heaven, you guys. And he will sustain you and keep you alive. Uh, so it's just a, a great picture there. That's what's inside the ark. So then Hebrews 9 again, verse 5. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things, we cannot now speak in detail. So Hebrews is a great New Testament book for you Jewish people because it ties together all of this Levitical stuff, um, you know, Exodus, the, the tabernacle, the feast. It ties a lot of that together, the high priest being a, a shadow of the real high priest, which is Jesus Christ um, of the order of Melchizedek. It goes over that too. So this is a great book. Read Hebrews if you're Jewish. It's such a good book. Now he's talking about the mercy seat. So that's the covering that is the covering of the ark. And here it is. So this is the ark, right? Made of the uh, acacia wood, the thorn tree, overlaid in gold on the inside and the outside with these gold overlaid poles as well. And then we see the Ten Commandments, the, the law of Moses in there, which, by the way, Jesus fulfilled perfectly. No one else in history could, but he did. And then Aaron's rod, which budded almonds and why was the menorah design god wanted the menorah design like almond tree and then here we're seeing aaron's rod also budded with almond blossoms and almonds why well i believe it is because the almond tree blossoms way before all the other trees it blossoms in winter actually and it has a beautiful flower and the word in hebrew for almond is actually watchman so it's a beautiful thing that the church being the seven golden lampstand, right? The menorah is a picture of the church. We are the watchmen watching for our Lord's return, waiting for him to come back to take us to heaven. That's part of what Jesus said. Watch and be ready, he said. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people don't like that kind of stuff, but hey, watch and be ready. Expect him at any time. That's the best way to live. Okay, so then that's the ark. There's the mercy seat. This is the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And what God did was he had uh, the blueprints for it. He told Moses to design it this way. There's an angel on both ends of this mercy seat. And by the way, 
This mercy seat was made of pure gold. This is not overlaid wood. This is pure gold. So it's heavy, right? It's heavy, like weighty, like God's glory. His glory is weighty, right? But it's also bright and shiny as he would, the only light that would be produced in this holy of holies, this, this place where the ark was, the only light produced there was from the Lord himself because it was all dark in there, pitch black in there, but the glory of the Lord would shine in there and light it up as he sat on this, which is called the mercy seat. Now, watch this. God tells Moses that this seat is to remain empty, but one time a year during Yom Kippur, okay, one time a year, the priest would come in. He would crawl under that thick veil, that heavy veil of the temple or the, or the tabernacle, and he would come in with the incense, and then he would come in with the, the bowl of the precious blood of the lamb, and he would sprinkle it on this mercy seat, and then the sins of Israel were forgiven. You see the picture there? This was to remain empty, right? You're going to see something amazing, you guys. Watch this. Okay. Here's a picture of a tomb. The one that Jesus, like the one Jesus was in, the stone was rolled away. The heavy lid was rolled away. And what was inside? This would be like a veil almost, right? But the veil's open. When Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And what was in here? Jesus, his dead body was in there for three days. And when Mary Magdalene came to the tomb with the other women, when Mary Magdalene came early that morning, what did she see in there? She saw an angel sitting on both sides of that place where Jesus's body laid, one at the foot and one where the head was. Imagine it. There's the mercy seat, right? The wings touching to remain empty. Jesus's tomb, my friend, is empty today. And it was empty that morning, three days after Passover, my friend. It was empty that morning and Mary Magdalene was rejoicing when she saw Jesus after that, you guys, because that was a picture. The mercy seat was a picture of that, you guys. Jesus being raised from the dead, not there. The angel told Mary, he is not here. Why do you seek him here? <laughs> it is so good. Then she meets Jesus outside of there. And it was just, uh, it's awesome. If you guys haven't watched The Chosen, check out those Chosen series that you can see them on YouTube, I believe. And you'll get a, a good feel for the character of Mary Magdalene and how much Jesus loved her and how much she loved Jesus. It's so good. All right. So Hebrews 9, here in verse 11, it says, But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Remember, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, Jesus' blood was that perfect Lamb, the perfect blood. And he was able to open up, as it says here. He entered once and for all 
into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. And Christ appeared as a high priest of good things that have come. The high priest, remember, he had the 12 precious stones over his chest, over his heart. So good. All this typology is just amazing. I love it. So remember, here it is. So the lamb was, was sacrificed here for the sins. The sins were laid on the lamb. The plush, precious blood was collected. A coal was collected as well. The priest would wash his hands in the lever, the lever, the brass lever. And then he would walk into the holy place, which was the first part of this tabernacle. He would go in and he would see the menorah, which had the oil continued, kept the oil full in that, with the bright light reflecting off the gold in this beautiful tapestry that was over the top of that. And then there was a table of the showbread with wine and bread showing communion with God. We can eat with him and fellowship with him. And then later on, there was the, the altar of incense, which is our prayers, our prayers going into the very place, the holy saturating and permeating into that through the curtain, into that holy of holies where the ark was and where the mercy seat was, where the Lord met with us, met with Moses. And that seat was to remain empty, God said, but sprinkled with blood. Speaking of Jesus all the way, right? All right, here's what the tabernacle tent actually looked like. So here's the the acacia wood overlaid with beautiful shiny gold. And then this is the first tapestry that's over it with this beautiful design. It was made of, of uh, the tola, which is the red crimson worm that they'd get off of those trees. Um, it was made with white uh, and, and blues and purples. Beautiful. This, this is what, so what I'm showing you here is this is a picture of God. This is actually a picture of, of heaven and, and our Lord himself, of his body. But what do you see? You see that the beauty, the most beautiful thing on the, is on the inside. The light and the gold, everything precious is on the inside, uh, glowing outward from the inside out. Jesus was concerned about what's inside of us, what's in our hearts. He said, clean the inside of the cup first. Because he was talking to the Pharisees about how they were hypocrites. They wanted to look good on the outside, but they were rotten on the inside, full of dead, dead bones, he said. But, but Jesus was the opposite. The good, the pure gold, the, the light, all this is a picture of him. He was good on the inside. The sweet smell, the sweet aroma, the prayers, all of it inside. So that was that's what we see with this tabernacle. Everything was beautiful and even more beautiful on the inside. And, and beautiful and that, that layer by layer. And then it got kind of uglier and uglier until it got to that last layer, which really wasn't anything. If somebody saw the tabernacle, they wouldn't even think it was much of anything. They'd be like, what's that? So look at this. So here's the, the fine twine linen, right? Uh, beautiful design. That's what you would see inside between the gold posts, the gold overlaid posts. You would see this beautiful design. And it's a picture of heaven as well, you guys. The blue might be the, the blue sky of heaven. Uh, the white speaking of purity. The red of the tola, the precious blood of the lamb. And then here we have goat's hair, which is like, uh, why is that there? Goat's hair. Well, uh, goat is a, like a symbol of of sin, maybe, you know, the sin that we have, it's a dirty animal, but yet it's sandwiched in between uh, this beautiful tapestry and then this 
this crimson dyed, this red dyed uh, ram skin over the top of that. Remember Genesis 22? They find a ram caught in the thicket by its horns when Abraham was there with Isaac and he was ready to sacrifice his son, but then they found the ram and the ram was sacrificed instead. Picture of Jesus as well, the blood of the lamb or the ram, right? Covering all of this, covering the goat's hair. And then the outer layer was actually like, I believe it was a uh, scholars disagree on a lot of it. They say it could have been badger skins, but I think the Old Testament text shows us it was sea cow skins, maybe like these manatees type of creatures. And it was just like a thick leather, like a, they would make shoes out of them, things like that. But it was also waterproof, they believe. So this would be like a waterproof covering, but there was nothing beautiful about it. It was ugly. Well, Isaiah said there was nothing that was attractive about Jesus. If you read Isaiah 53, uh, there was nothing special about the way he looked. He appeared just as, you know, nothing kingly. And that's what we see here. There's a covering of the whole outside of this with this, this ugly covering. But the inside, my friend, the inside was beautiful. And that's the same thing as believers in Christ. We have a light inside of us that shines outward, right? We have a light in our hearts, a flame in our hearts that comes from God. And that's, we are little tabernacles ourselves because the word Christian, it's in the Bible in one place, but the word Christians was a... Uh, history tells us it was a mocking term for Christians, for followers of Christ, calling us little Christs. Well, that's a great thing. I'm a little Christ, a little picture of Jesus, of the dwelling place that we see here, the tabernacle, and the light is inside and the purity is inside. And that's what God wants for us, for you, for me, for all of us. So that's the tabernacle in a nutshell, summed up. And, uh, and I believe you'll understand a lot more about it now. It's understood. Um, like I said, hey, feel free to comment down below, you guys. Um, you know, I, want, I, I really want to um, hear the comments, for, especially from you guys in Israel, uh, some of you young people, older people. Please tell me what you guys are looking for in the Messiah. I'd like to know. I want to learn from you, from you guys. And uh, please comment down below, uh, hit that subscribe button. I'm going to put a new video out every Friday, uh, Pacific 7 a.m. Pacific time. And also hit that little bell so you don't miss any of these videos. So let's go back to the presentation. Here we're looking at a picture of Solomon's temple. So this was, the temple was made after the tabernacle. So like when David's time, there was still a tabernacle, right? It was still set up the way it was in Moses' time. And then Solomon was able to make this beautiful, incredible, awesome temple. And this is probably what it looked like. In fact, the pavers were made of silver. There was so much gold in the land. Here you can see a couple of pomegranates were uh, on these pillars. And uh, inside was just glorious. And the glory of the Lord did fill this, this temple, the one of Solomon. Pretty amazing stuff. All right, and that was right around, um, I think it was like 900 BC before Christ. Uh, David was around 1000 BC, so it was like 900 and something BC when this beautiful, magnificent temple was built. And then later on, Herod's temple was built. And um, Herod's temple was very big. This, I think this was like 30 feet high. Here's a huge altar they had. This is really a cool picture of it. And here's a bunch of priests. And they, you could see the smoke from the altar going up. 
And that's what, when the disciples wanted to show Jesus the temple and they were just in awe of it, this is what they were showing him, this temple. But most of Jesus's ministry was done. They didn't really, they didn't go inside the temple, but they were outside. This was like the temple area, the outer courtyard. And he did a lot of preaching, I believe there and, and um, probably north of this temple as well where Solomon's porch was, which is probably where Solomon's temple lined up. I did a video on that. If you're interested, you can check that out. Also on that Tola, the crimson worm of Psalm 22, verse six, I am a worm and no man. Well, the word is Tola Shani. I did a, an episode on that as well. You can check that out. Um, and you can look at that video. I also wrote a book on it and the book is right behind me and it's right here. So you can, you can get this book on Amazon. It's the Crimson Worm, Psalm 22. That's Tola Shani. And also you can get a book called Road to Emmaus that I wrote. And that one basically um, takes you through all of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, showing you where Jesus was found. All right. So there's uh, Herod's temple. And then we see in Matthew chapter 27, Matthew recorded this. And that's a very Jewish book, by the way, for my Jewish friends. You'll, you'll love that book. So, okay. So chapter 27, verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and rocks were split. Did you guys know my world regional geography professor, uh, when I was going to college, he talked about there was an, a massive, massive earthquake. There's evidence of it in layers down below in the African Rift Valley. And he said that it was right around the first part of the first century, around 30 AD, like, you know, 33 AD when Jesus was crucified. And here Matthew records a, a powerful earthquake where rocks were split open and the temple veil, which could have been some scholars say 18 inches thick, and it took hundreds of priests to hoist up. It was ripped from top to bottom. It was like God was opening up the holy of holy place. And now we have access to God through Christ, the perfect lamb of God. And my, anyway, back to my, my world regional geography professor, he was talking about this earthquake and it hit me when he said that. The date, I was like, wait a minute, but the African Rift Valley, well, that Rift Valley is a fault line that goes all the way up Africa, through the Red Sea, up through the Dead Sea, right by Jerusalem, all the way up into Syria and beyond. And there was a huge earthquake, the kind has like an 8.5 or above or 9.0 where it will actually shatter or break rocks. That's how powerful that earthquake was. And here we're seeing in the scripture, it says in Matthew, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Wow. Here's a picture of it. This huge veil. Can you imagine being a priest in there thinking that you saw the ark and you're like, Oh no, I'm going to die. Seeing that the veil was ripped from top to bottom during this massive earthquake when Jesus died, the son of God died, the ultimate sacrifice as he was lifted up on the pole, as Moses said, at the pole, you, you know, the serpent was on that pole. Jesus took on our sin. In Hebrews, it says that he became sin. I think it's Corinthians, actually. He became sin who knew no sin for our benefit. He paid for it all, my friends. All of this stuff, the temple, the tabernacle was all pointing to Yeshua, the Messiah, the Mashiach, right? Jesus Christ. Christ is Greek for Messiah. 
Jesus the Messiah. It all speaks of him, and he made the way for us to have relationship with the Father, with God and him. So good. Matthew 27 also says, right after that, it says in verse 52, the tombs were also, there were also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Wow. Can you imagine that? What if it was like Joseph and David and some of these other guys, Moses walking around and people reckon, you know, they're walking around the city. And when the centurion and those who were with him, with Jesus at the cross, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Wow. That is amazing. John chapter 2 says, in verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. So this is right after Jesus overturned the money changers that were in the outer courtyard, um, the money changers. And I think it was in that north area where the Dome of the Spirits is today. I'm going to do an episode on that. But there's a spot where they believe Solomon's temple actually was. And it was north of where the Dome of the Rock is today, maybe even north of where Herod's temple was. And they believe this could be the actual place where, that, where Solomon's temple was. But anyway... The outer courtyard area could have been that area. Jesus was overturning the tables because there was a lot of, um, they were charging people. They had to get the temple coins and they were like way overcharging them, ripping these the common Jewish people off. And they were selling lambs that were the approved lambs. Like people would bring a clean lamb without blemish. And they'd say, no, no, you can't have that one. You got to buy one of the approved ones. And they would jack the price up. This really angered Jesus. And so much that he he actually braided together a, a, a cord, a whip. And he was whipping at the people, knocking the tables over, saying, how dare you make uh, this house, a house of my father, a house of a den of thieves, he said. So he had zeal. And that's where that scripture was fulfilled. He had zeal for his father's house. And later on, it says here, it says, Jesus answered them because the, the, the Pharisees were asking him why he's doing these things. And he says, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. And the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body right? He was the image of the tabernacle and then later the temple. That's what Jesus was speaking about. So Jesus was using typology, right? So good. So here it is again, guys. I just love this scene. Can you imagine that morning? The stone was rolled away. There must have been bright light coming out of that that uh, tomb, which was carved out without human hands. And I did an episode on that before, but I want to talk about it real quick. Mary, remember Isaiah chapter seven says, a virgin shall conceive and bury son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, here this tomb was given by Joseph of Arimathea. And it says that no dead body had ever been in it. It was not defiled, just like Mary's womb was not defiled. And then we see light was coming out of it. Jesus was raised from the dead. And Mary Magdalene comes, another Mary, not Mary, his mother. She comes to the tomb and it's empty. And there's an angel on 
both sides of where Jesus's body was laying, but it wasn't there. It was empty like the mercy seat. <laughs> so good. Oh, all of this speaks of God. God, the son, Jesus. So John chapter one says the next day they saw Jesus coming toward them and said, behold, John said this, John the Baptist, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. So good, you guys. Hey, if you have never received Jesus Christ, hey, you can receive him right now, right where you're at. Yeshua Mashiach, Mashiach, the Messiah, Jesus. He fulfilled all of these scriptures. He was the dwelling place. The tabernacle itself was speaking of him, pointing to him. If you've never received Christ, you can say a simple prayer right after me. You're praying to God, not to me, not to anyone around you. Just stop what you're doing. You're going to pray to God. Are you ready to do that? You just repeat the words right after me. You're praying to him. Here we go. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus came and he was born of the virgin and that he was God with us. I believe that he died on the cross and shed his blood for me. I also believe that in three days, you raised him from the dead and he's alive today. I want to follow him as my Lord and as my savior from this day forward. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, my friend, if you did that, congratulations. All of heaven rejoices when one new believer turns from sin and follows and believes in Jesus. Welcome to the family of God. The family of God. Now God's fire is tabernacling. <laughs> That's not even really a word, is it? Inside of your heart, you are now a tabernacle. You're a a, a small temple of the Holy Spirit right now. That's what the Bible says. You're a little Christ, a Christian. All right, my friend. Hey, congratulations if you did that. Hey, by the way, you guys, uh, comment down below. Hit that subscribe button. Like the video. It helps get them out there. And also, yeah, please comment. Hit that little bell because it's going to give you the warning or the alert of when these videos are about to come out. So, hey, God bless you. And God bless his kingdom coming to this world soon, my friend.